Hello, everybody, and welcome to another House Divided podcast. Uh, I am Brendan, and before we get to all of the fun of talking about Michigan and Michigan State, I did just want to send the condolences from Jeremy and I to uh, the family of Kobe Bryant and uh, his daughter that obviously they passed in the helicopter crash earlier this week, uh, and just send thoughts and give our condolences to anybody who really held Kobe in such a high regard like most of the sports world did because I know that a loss like this can hit home like it was a family member and uh, just want to send our best thoughts to those people. Obviously, Kobe Bryant was one of the most electrifying um, basketball players or athletes in general of the last 20 years, and it hurts to see him taken so soon. Um, with that said, unless you have anything to say specifically on this, we can head into talking about me not being on social media for a week. Yeah, Brendan, the people, uh, you know, it's, it's been a week. Uh, I, uh, I don't remember how to log in. I got a new phone. Don't know how to log into the uh, House Divided uh, account. So <laughs> it's been dark out there, buddy. It's, um, <laughs> it's uh, the people... I assume that when we open up that inbox, it's just going to be the people being like, did Brendan, is Brendan okay? Uh, is Brendan secretly Ross? Are you crafty consumer? Are you the gift maker? Because um, you guys have social media uh, blackouts at the same time. Oh, is Ross uh, off of it? Answer. Are you drill? These are all questions that I, uh, I think are going to be in the inbox. I won't tell you who sent these. You can't say that they're just from my work account. But, um, yeah, the people, people miss you, Brendan. You Jeremy, do this on transfer week? <laughs> if I was Drill, if I was as talented as Drill, this podcast would be so much better. It would be so much funnier. Uh, no, to be real, um, just needed a little break from it all, and it is weird. I constantly open my phone and go to my social media uh, section and then remember that I don't have it and either head to Mario Kart or the athletic. Um, I've been more productive though. So that's good. If it wasn't for being annoyed that I miss every piece of news for at least a few hours, uh, I'd probably just stay off of it, but I can't. And I think this Sunday will make it a full week and I'll redownload it and then toy with how much usage I give myself from then on out. But yeah, no social media. It's oddly freeing. <laughs> oh man, that is going to be a rush of adrenaline Sunday. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm gonna. We oh, might yeah. have to do an emergency pod as you're tweaking. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting social media back the day of the Super Bowl. What could go wrong? Oh God! Oh, <laughs> Brandon, not like this. No, I know. I'm gonna get back on and just see all the takes of. Uh, Oh, I don't even want to get into it. It's going to be – no matter what happens, I feel like there's going to be just one side of Twitter that it's just awful. Even though this is one just of the most fun like, that we're, we've had in years. Just find, like, EGOT Twitter, you know, that's only talking about the halftime show. Just just do that. That's the best way to kind of wade back into the pool. Yeah, that that's what I'll do is just install it uh, – back during the halftime show and then just head over to the trending section and click on those tweets. I don't even know oh, who the halftime reporter is. Do you? Oh, that's a good question. Is it J-Lo? 
Someone tells me it's J-Lo. I'm, I'm being – okay. I'm being informed it may be Shakira or Beyonce. Let's look it up live on the pod. Wait, didn't Beyonce do this before? Super Bowl halftime. We are sports Bowl. fans. Super- it's Shakira and Jennifer Lopez, so I get like a half a point. You get a half a point. And uh, the lovely Megan gets a half a point because I had no clue. That's true. It's in Miami. So they don't have the whole Latin thing. Ah, yeah. That makes sense. Um, okay. Right. Well, that'll be exciting. Uh, catch us back next week for a review of the halftime show. In the meantime, 100%. in the meantime, we did miss a week. Um, so let's head straight into it. And I promise the people we're going to start with hockey this week. And we are. Because it's been a big couple weeks for hockey, eh? Yeah, it's, uh, your team is one of the hottest teams out there right now. And uh, as we sit today before games tomorrow, uh, MSU is tied for first in the Big Ten, as we all predicted. Yeah, uh, Such a boring season in the Big Ten Hockey Conference. Just cookie cutter, you know. Notre Dame, huge losing streak. Uh, Cole Caulfield in Wisconsin can't, you know, by themselves out of the basement, as we all expected, Brendan. Yeah, it's really uh, been a crazy season. And, I mean, we're sitting here uh, with most of the teams having played 16 of the 24 games in conference, uh, Michigan and Minnesota being the teams that have only played 14. Um, And the gap between first and last is only 11 points. That may seem like a lot, but when – Three points get you a win. All it takes is one good weekend, and you're right in it. So this is a uh, going to be a dicey stretch here for both teams. Let's start with the league leaders, Michigan State. Since we last spoke, they had a series at Wisconsin at the Troll Center in which they split, and then they had a, a series where they hosted Penn State at Mon. Uh, that one was they, – they went in tied for the lead, I believe, and they came out tied for the lead. Uh, so with another series split. And I will comment before I let you get into the details because out of all four of these games, I only got to watch about 15 minutes of the <laughs> second game of the Penn State series. Uh, Munn looked awesome. That place was alive. Yeah, from what I uh, so I didn't have a chance to be out to either game at Munn last weekend. Uh, I, funny thing was I was at Munn a bunch of hours before the game on Saturday um, to watch some high school hockey there. But yeah, it uh, from what I was talking to some buddies and things like that, it was too deep, standing room only at the top. Um, it was full, so they are uh, they're getting there. The the word is getting out that uh, there's another, you know, there's a reason to get back to Mon and it shows that there really was always appetite, but you just have to give them a product that they want to watch. And uh, it's slowly coming. I, you know, it's not going to be sold out every night at this point, but uh, I don't see any reason with the only home games remaining being Michigan and a huge series against Ohio state, why they can't uh, be sold out for the last three games at least hopefully. Yeah, um, I I fully expect Michigan to walk into a sold-out arena. Uh, I think Valentine's Day, actually, is when they play again at Mon. Um, But, yeah, it was just really cool to see because, you know, I've only been watching since, like, the 2015-16 season. And 
since then, Michigan State really hasn't had a passable on-ice product in the Big Ten to be competitive. And so I, I literally, other than old highlights, have never seen Mon as loud and into a game in full as I did for that Penn State game. So it's just really cool to see, despite my distaste for Michigan State. Um, so on to these games. Let's go back to the Wisconsin series. Uh, it was an even split. Let me pull it up because I'm pretty sure State won Friday, Wisconsin won Saturday. Yeah, so they go into that series. They get into Wisconsin Friday night uh, and shut them out, win 4 nothing. Uh, pretty dominant game. Uh, Wisconsin was never really in it. Um, you know, MSU uh, pretty much controlled the game the whole way. Uh, I, I take that back. Wisconsin did jump out and get a bunch of shots within the first few minutes. Uh, I think at one point it was like 12 to 1 in shots, but John Letherman held them in. And once MSU scored a goal, that was when it just kind of stayed MSU's game the whole night. Uh, Saturday night, it you know it kinda, they really were pretty close to uh, getting something out of the out of the night and getting more than three points on the weekend, uh, but surrendered a late goal. I want to say there's four minutes left uh, when Wisconsin took the lead uh, after it was tied at one. Really, since the first period, um, it had been tied at one. Uh, you know eight minutes into the game and then nothing until Wisconsin scored with, let me pull it up here, two Oh eight remaining. So uh, one of those where they score a goal and then you quickly pull the goalie and they score another goal. So uh, it was really a two, one game that Saturday, uh, very close to at least getting to overtime and the possibility of uh, getting some points out of it, if not the full three. Uh, but, you know, credit to Wisconsin, they rebounded after uh, being shut out and, and put together, you know, a good game where they're just trying to get anything going right now. So uh, that was good on them for uh, for a rebound that night. Yeah, definitely. And then, uh, yeah, and then last weekend, they technically actually, they re- rolled into the weekend tied with Penn State for second place uh, oh, behind Ohio State. Yeah, that's what I and thought. And then Ohio State, uh, due to Ohio State losing both games at Minnesota uh, after Friday night and a Patrick Kodarenko hat trick, uh, Michigan State was in first place and then kind of a similar story to the Wisconsin game the weekend before uh, except for that Michigan State tied the game up at one in the third and then Penn State scored I think you know 15 seconds into overtime so you have another shot there where you know if you can get through the five minute overtime you're going to get at least one or two points out of the night and come out of the weekend alone in first place uh, but they couldn't make it through overtime and surrendered a goal and uh, got a split against Penn State. So would have liked to see probably more than six points out of the last two weekends, especially now uh, having the bye this week. As you discussed with the six-point weekend, uh, Ohio State can get some separation pretty quickly in a series that we'll preview obviously later in the Michigan section. But um, it is what it is. You don't get sweeps. You're going to struggle. So at least everyone around us did the same. Yeah, and um... – Sweeps are going to be just hard to come by in this Big Ten, it feels like, uh, just with how competitive it is. There's not really a team that feels like an automatic sweep. Maybe Wisconsin if they're coming to your barn. Obviously, MSU has already had that series. Michigan still has it coming up. Um, But, yeah, 
it, it's a tight race, and this this three-way race between Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan State probably going to go to the very last weekend um, unless Ohio State stays on this skid that they're on, it looks like. It'll, it'll be really interesting um, to move on to Michigan. So it, I know it's been a while since we last talked, and a lot of times hockey gets put on the back burner. But they opened the 2020 with six points at Notre Dame, and then two weekends ago they went to Penn State. And on night one, they were able to win 6-0 to zero over the number six team in the country, uh, which was not the Michigan we had seen all year. It feels like under Mel, there's been one game like this every single year where everything just goes right and they let a team just absolutely have it. To have that come at Penn State on the Friday night game was awesome. And, you know, they got goals from all of the big players. So I think Lockwood had – no, Lockwood went scoreless this night. It was Beecher with two. Each past the y'all brother had one. And then Slaker had two. So you got some your, – your big players, you got Slaker scoring, you got Beecher scoring. And then the following night in a 4-4 to four tie that – Michigan ended up scoring in the second overtime to get the extra Big Ten point. Um, you got goals out of – you got two out of Nick Granowitz, who didn't really get any playing time until the GLI and then that Notre Dame series. You got one from Jacob Harris, one from Nolan Moyle, and then Garrett Van Wy scored a goal with about 10 seconds left in that second overtime. So Michigan walks away with five points in a road series against Penn State an absolutely huge result, um, not just for uh, the Big Ten standings getting those points for pairwise. Jeremy, do we write off Michigan too early? Because they're up to 24th in the pairwise. I think we did. And uh, I would say you probably wrote them off a little bit more uh, enthusiastically than I did just because I've seen this happen before. The Sean Hunwick team had no right making the NCAA tournament. At this time of the year, and then they got super, super hot, rode it all the way. Uh, Michigan has shown an ability to, even in the Big Ten years, win the conference tournament to guarantee getting in, and then they win two games, and they're in the Frozen Four out of nowhere. So uh, I'm not saying that that's going to happen this time, but I think that they are going to be uh, – no one's hoping to get that second place in the league or rather third place in the league spot and host Michigan first weekend of playoffs if Michigan is indeed in sixth place. So, and, uh, uh, and I don't even think that can happen. I think Michigan can move up from sixth place. I think if they keep playing like this, Michigan can play themselves into, uh, you know, a home series themselves. Yeah, and uh, from a Michigan fan standpoint, and I'm assuming the team standpoint after this run of games, uh, that's the goal. I, I do want to mention they did play their exhibition against the under-18s. They did lose 4-1. to one. It was a game where the chances were even. I didn't watch it. This is just uh, on a second-hand account. But um, they lost 4-1 in a game where the U.S. under-18 goalie played very well. Um, they had a lot of chances, but they did play a few walk-ons. I think the goalies shared the game. So it, 
it was a 4-1 loss, but I wouldn't be too worried about it disrupting momentum just considering the circumstances of it. Uh, and if you want to be optimistic from a Michigan point of view, they lost 4-1. Three of the U.S. and TDP goals came from Thomas – or no, they didn't come from Thomas Bordalo, but he assisted on three of them, had two primaries and a secondary. Um, and he looks like he is going to be awesome. Thomas Bordalo, of course – a Michigan commit set to arrive on campus next fall. Uh, so that's something cool about that game. But now to get into it, I think it's probably the most important series of the season for Michigan. They host Ohio State this weekend. Um, Ohio State is on a little bit of a skid. They obviously got swept last weekend by Minnesota. This was after not splitting a series because they did beat Notre Dame at home and then get a tie in the other game. But then before that was a split at Wisconsin. They are not in a very good run of form right now. And especially they didn't look good on the road last week at Minnesota. And now they have to come to Yost. And this is a team where that who Michigan has eight points back of. But they also have two games in hand. And all of a sudden, if you get a sweep this weekend, you're only two points back of Ohio State, who currently claims third place in the league. Uh, This is – I don't think I'm talking in hyperbole when I say this could be the biggest series of the season. It definitely is up until this point. But um, so far, it's definitely the most important, but – it could end up being the only other series I see on here that could compare in the grand scheme of things is the Michigan state series. And then maybe the Minnesota one at the end of the year, just because of how close they are to Minnesota in the standings. And then if things go well against Ohio state and Wisconsin, there might be some proximity to Michigan state as well in the standings by the time that series is played. Yeah. Lots of movement still ahead. Uh, you know, I think it's it's a time where Michigan's probably the hottest team in the league, but Michigan State's riding a wave of, uh, you know, just enthusiasm that hasn't been around the program in, uh, in a really long time. So it should be a good month of February. Uh, hopefully MSU can enjoy their weekend off this weekend and come ready to get some points at Minnesota, who, again, coming off not a bad weekend themselves, uh, sweeping Ohio State at home. So they look like they're not even uh, the same struggling team they've been most of the season. So it's uh, it's going to be a fun stretch run. Yeah, it absolutely will be. And uh, let's just talk a little bit about the standings then because this is so bunched up and this will really matter come March when we're looking at tourney picture because it's going to be key for a lot of these teams in the Big Ten, out, mainly teams outside of the top three right now, to get a couple wins in the playoffs if they want to win, um, make the tournament. So seeding is very important. So right now, Michigan is about five points behind Notre Dame with two games in hand. Uh, like I said, eight points behind Ohio State. The only team that they're behind that they don't have games in hand on are is Minnesota, who has a four-point advantage. But that can obviously be erased in one series. So... Um, it, John, this, this series is just so important against Ohio State. I mean, they're a team who they swept Michigan in Columbus. However, both of those games were extremely tight that were won towards the last minute, and they were definitely in better form then than they are now. 
So it'll be really intriguing. Um, Michigan State in terms of the standings. But let's talk about this because this is a Big Ten title race here. How do you how do you feel about their chances right now? Are you in an area where the years of Michigan State pass are trying to keep your nerves steady and not get too excited? Or are you looking at this and thinking we might have a shot here because Ohio State obviously not in good form and has to play Michigan on the road, who's one of the hottest teams in the league. Penn State took has taken four points out of their last four games. You have to be feeling pretty good about where you're at right now, right? Yeah, I mean, when you come in with the stretch run of at Minnesota, a home and LCA game with uh, Michigan, home series against Ohio State, and at Notre Dame, which is who knows at that point where Notre Dame is even at uh, for their final series. I feel pretty good, um, but I also feel like when you compare us to who we're really battling right now for that spot, even though Ohio State is struggling and Penn State does not seem to be as dominant as they can be, those rosters are full of guys that have been in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Michigan State has none outside of their coaching staff. So uh, it's one of those where I think it's it's certainly doable that they can finish the season at the top, but they're going to have to just do it one weekend at a time uh, and not get too ahead of themselves because they don't have experience to fall back on of closing the deal after uh, the, the excitement. So, uh, and, you know, even, even if within a one weekend look, you know, you come in, Last weekend, everyone's super excited after Friday night that your first place over Penn State uh, and Ohio State, and then you can't get the series sweep, which is it's fine. They're a good team, but that just shows you there's still places that this team needs to go. They need to put together a stretch run here to finish out on top. So I think they can do it, but the, it's, uh, I wouldn't say that I'm anywhere north of 50% on that happening. Uh, they have to go out and uh, and prove it and, and also count on uh, the teams around them getting some splits because I don't think they're going to run in 8-0 and on this stretch. So they need these teams around them to lose some games too. Man, I just uh, – I'm thinking about how it sets up for both teams in the standings. Michigan is about to play four home games in a row, uh, two against Ohio State and two against the bottom team in the league in Wisconsin. And uh, so they could pick up a lot of points in these next two weekends. Michigan State is obviously in this title race. Uh, that series in a couple weeks is going to be the most – yeah, here's my question for you. It's going to be the most intense hockey series between Michigan and Michigan State since when? I, I can't even – I can't think of one that's been anywhere near this amount of stakes uh, since I've been watching college hockey. Uh, it's probably since you would have to go back to Rick Comley's last season, not last season, uh, but the there was a year uh, that Jeff Petrie was a junior, and they hosted Michigan, and this was one of the years where uh, Sean Hunwick came in and got Michigan on a run. Um, MSU came into hosting Michigan in a CCHA series where they were kind of on the pairwise bubble and Michigan came in and actually, uh, I think they swept MSU in that series. 
and I went on to win the Big Ten or went on to win the CCHA tournament, uh, MSU Missouri the NCAA tournament, and that was a pretty, pretty big weekend because uh, again they, you know, they never really played each other in the playoffs because outside of like the championship game, uh, it wasn't common to have a series at one of the places uh, in the CCHA days where we would be hosting Michigan or Michigan would be hosting MSU. So, yeah, I think that's probably the last one. Like I said, that was Rick Comley. So that was two MSU coaches ago and a Michigan coach ago. So it's uh, uh, been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. And I, I genuinely think this could live up to the billing, especially, you know, the Friday game is at Mon. But then they don't play. They have a couple days off. And I think this is the – stupidest thing ever but they play on a monday night for the duel at the d in the uh the annual lca game and yeah I've, that's uh i've been that's there a once part of, i guess um to the lca game i was there last year for the duel at the d the atmosphere was terrific i mean michigan jumped out to a three nothing lead and the place was you know mainly michigan fans were loud and for those who don't remember the game state would score the next two goals uh, to make it 3-2, and I didn't think a ton of State fans were there until they started scoring, and it was 3-2, and a lot of go green, go white chance. It was uh, very uncomfortable for me, and then I think Michigan <laughs> scored on an empty netter to win 4-2, but really interesting atmosphere, and it could have been even more terrific this year uh, considering the circumstances, considering they both might be ranked teams depending on how these next two weeks go when they go to play. So it, it's going to be really interesting. I think they robbed themselves of having something really special by not having it on a Saturday night. I don't know if the Wings or Pistons play or if there's a concert or something. Yeah, this is, uh, this is one of the problems of it being at LCA now. Uh, at Joe Lewis, it was so much easier um, to just, hey, the Wings are going to be out of town. We can just do a Friday, Saturday. But now when you go into an arena that hosts a lot more things, uh, we college hockey doesn't get to just control it as much as it did at the uh, Joe Lewis days. No, so no, it, yeah, I'm it, sure. It really sucks. I, I'm sure there's something going on uh, that weekend that is messing it up. I'm actually trying to pull up LCA right now as we're we're talking, but yeah, it's Disney on Ice, Brendan. <laughs> Kicked out by Disney on Ice. Fuck me, that's awful, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, Thursday through Saturday. Me? Thursday through Sunday, you gotta you gotta see your Disney on ice. Elsa, uh, the weird looking fork spork thing from the new Toy Story, all that. It's Forky. Yeah. You put some goddamn respect on Forky's name. I will not be. Happy <laughs> I haven't seen the film yet. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking at these photos. For some reason, they have Moana on ice. That well that strikes me as very odd. Ice is just frozen water, and the sea calls her. So oh, good point. All right, yeah, this is going to be what our off-season content is, is a breakdown of Disney on ice. <laughs> Someone give me the, uh, the all-22 of the Disney on ice film. <laughs> uh, I need to break this down. Yeah. Oh, my God. We're going to have, like, the, uh, the beat from The Athletic where they're watching. Uh, they, they do a podcast while they're <laughs> film. We're going to do that for Disney on ice. Okay, so oh, I think, we've, I think yeah. we've officially worn out the hockey segment considering we're talking about Disney on ice. Um, yeah, this is where we ended up. But, but good. Good. We got uh, a full hockey segment, and it felt good because both of these teams, it seemed a little bit like 
Michigan wasn't going to be relevant this year, but at least for a couple weeks they are because the performance they've had in January has been just fantastic. And uh, so Ohio State series is huge. And as all huge series are, uh, both games will be on BTN+. Plus. So that'll be fun. Love this league. Yep. And before we go on a rant like that about that, let's get into basketball so I can rant about something else. Um, this is the season from hell from Michigan's perspective. This is horrible. So not only were they just on a four-game losing streak in the Big Ten in a pivotal game at Nebraska that they won, thank God, or else we might not be recording this because I would just be done with sports. Uh, I mean, it, it truly has been the season from hell. You, in the grand scheme of things, Michigan is ranked currently 27th in Ken Palm. They started the year 29th in Ken Palm. I should be at least not surprised. But they decided to go to, go to the Bahamas and rip off three <laughs> wins in a row against teams who we thought were all really good. They beat Iowa State, they beat North Carolina, then they beat Gonzaga. Turns out only one of those teams is good, but they're really good. Gonzaga was really good, so that's still a great win and one that is probably the only thing keeping Michigan on the inside of the bubble right now. Um, but what it did was give this whole fan base, including me, I'm not going to absolve myself, uh, expectations that we didn't have going in expectations. I think I came on this show right after and talked about how they're a big 10 contender now. So it, it was definitely a double-edged sword. Um, I talked about in after the season opener, they played Appalachian state. It was a win, but they at one point were up almost 30 and they did almost lose. And I think I had uh, had a comparison saying that that game was going to be a microcosm of what, the season would be under Juwan Howard. There's going to be some high points. There's going to be some low points. Well, I think we're officially here where we can say the high point was uh, the Bahamas, and the low point is that four-game losing streak because um, that was awful. And I'm really hoping we're not about to go into another one because Michigan's about to head into matchups with Rutgers on the road, or no, it's not on the road. It's at Madison Square Garden. It's a neutral site game that should have been a home game. Then Ohio State at home, Michigan State at home. These are three teams that are all top 30 in Ken Palm. Um, two of them are at the top of the Big Ten standings in Rutgers and Michigan State. And obviously Ohio State's at the bottom with Michigan. But according to their Ken Palm ranking and according to that roster, they're still a very uh, capable squad. I don't know which loss to start with. Should I just go in chronological order? Uh, I mean, yeah, that that makes – so, I don't know. I feel like we can kind of gloss over the Iowa loss in the way that – You're right. It's it a was, Big Ten road game. It was an expected it, loss, basically, because it, yeah. felt, it just felt similar to Minnesota where with five minutes left, they are in it. Um, and they just let it get away from them. And it feels like one where you're like, yeah, I know it's hard to go on the road without Isaiah livers against a good team and try and get a win, but it was right there. So it sucks. So the Iowa loss, whatever they're top 
top half of the league. They're a good team. Let's get to the two home losses. Um, I described the Penn State loss as a swift kick in the groin. And I think I take that back because the Illinois loss was definitely a swift kick in the groin because they had it. They missed five free throws in a row to end the second half and let Illinois in the game. And then Ayo Dusumu, uh, he was the one who kicked all of Michigan in the groin with that shot at the very end. Um, Penn State. Not to mention you're worried about Isaiah Livers' groin. <laughs> yeah, that sucks too. So stay on brand. Yeah, um, poor Isaiah Livers. Dude looked like he was finding his footing in the first half of that Illinois game, trying to just get back in a groove, and it looked like he had finally found it. He had a three. He was going up for a dunk in a carbon copy of the first injury against Presbyterian. Uh, happens again, and Michigan is going at the angle that it's a different injury, and I hope it is, so he's available on Saturday against Ruggers. But, man, I just feel gutted for him. There, there was one shot that sticks in my brain, and it was with him sitting on the sideline. He looked like he was about to cry and just felt awful for him. Um, but the Penn State game, that was less of a swift kick in the groin in more of um, just somebody just slightly poking you with a stick for two hours, and it just keeps on getting worse and worse and worse, and they just keep on jabbing it, and it's in the same spot. And at first you're like, okay, this isn't fun, but it's not that bad, and by the end you're just wanting to die. Um, That Penn State loss I think was the one where they went five for 27 from three. while Penn State had a guy named, let me find this kid's name, um, Curtis Jones. Curtis Jones, who averages less than half of their minutes with barely over 100 O rating, absolutely destroyed Michigan by, going, by getting 18 points, three of four from three. Um, it it just was a ridiculous game, and it kind of feels like that's just what been what's happening to Michigan. I mean, Trent Frazier for Illinois hit two thirty footers. He's like a thirty three percent three point shooter. Iota Sumu is like a twenty eight percent free three point shooter, and he hit two of three, and both makes were off the dribble, not even catch and shoot. While Michigan has Franz Wagner, who over in Germany was well over thirty percent from three. Uh, going one of six, one of eight, one of five. Um, They are getting so many open looks, and they're just having them all go halfway down and then rim out. It feels so horrible to watch. (laughs) Yeah, Michigan, uh, you can't complain about the looks that they were getting. That was me coming out of the Iowa loss and even really the Penn State loss was like, oh, well, you know, I don't really know what you're going to do. The shots are online. They are not bad looks. They're not jacking up bad shots as much as Michael Spath wants to be wrong online about it. Um, you know, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, when does so many games of not making your open looks just become a thing? 
Like, oh, I, I think we're close. Yeah, I, I, I think we're very close to this being a thing because the only place that Michigan has shot really well from three was at the Battle for Atlantis in the Bahamas. Um, but So what we're saying is that Chrysler should be razzed and we need to just move you guys into like the Holiday Inn in Ann Arbor or something. <laughs> put the yeah. court down, put some black curtains up, and they will they'll hit everything. I I'm fine with it if that's where we want to play There's all of be our a home convention games. center in like Ypsilanti or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I guess if we're trying to be optimistic for Michigan fans, um, it, I I still feel great about Juwan Howard. You know, a a the way he's recruiting is really good for the future. B he is getting these guys great looks, and by all accounts just seems to be a coach that these guys enjoy playing for. Uh, and see, it's the way he's reacting to all this. Dude just went through a four-game losing skid in the Big Ten. Um, and coming off of that, wasn't afraid to suspend his captain for a game. I mean, and from all the things you're hearing, according to Sam Webb in The Pursuit of Josh Christopher – uh, it's a big plus sign. Josh love Josh and his family apparently love the way Juwan is handling this by going and taking accountability compared to the teams we're competing with him for. Arizona State just was on a losing skid, and I believe their coach took away all of the kids' Sun Devil gear and told them they would get it back when they earned it back. Uh, so that's a major plus, and again, it all comes back to Juwan. So – this season, if if Michigan does anything worse than one and two on this next three game stretch, if they go zero and three, even if they go one and two, it still doesn't feel great. Um, it's probably going to be a lost season. Maybe we'll get in the NCAA tournament, but obviously competing for any top four spot in the Big Ten will be long gone. But I think the future is still positive for Michigan fans. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, on top of everything that we've mentioned, I think uh, as long as Juwan Howard also keeps Phil Martelli as his right-hand man, as he kind of learns this head coaching thing for the in-game coaching, I don't think there's any reason for a Michigan fan to uh, to be stressed right now. Would this team be doing better with John Beeline just because of continuity? Probably. They'd probably be in a little bit of a better spot. Um but at this I don't think that much better with, though, man. Like, okay, yeah, so I'm, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe they'd be Penn State in the home game. Maybe John Beeline has them playing well enough to beat Illinois. But no, they would not be challenging for the Big Ten championship or you know something like that. This uh, this roster is what this roster is, um, and I don't think that you should be using it as a uh, as pointing to Juwan Howard being this far off of John Beeline just on this one season. Uh, he's got a long way to go to be John B. One. That's, you know, an amazing coach to catch up to. But at the same time, this, this roster has the same issues that it was going to have if John B. Line was your coach. Yeah, let's not forget that part of the reason John B. Line left was because he thought he had a solid roster coming back, and then Jordan Poole and Iggy Vastakis both bolted for the NBA. So, because if those two are back, this is not even the same team. Um, but alas, this is what we're dealing with. 
Um, just real quick, they beat Nebraska, thank God, because it would have been a meltdown if they didn't um, without Xavier Simpson and Isaiah Livers. You hope to at least get one of those guys back against Rutgers if you're playing with that same roster that traveled to uh, Nebraska. I don't think there's a way you beat Rutgers in a neutral site game. But, again, we'll see what they bring. Uh, Xavier Simpson being back, obviously, would be a huge thing. Michigan is undefeated at MSG since, like, 2013. So, we will see what they do against that game against that team, Rutgers, on Saturday. And they do play another game before we record next. They play Tuesday, a home game against Ohio State, one that both teams will feel pivotal uh, trying to climb out of that bottom four in the Big Ten. I will be there, actually. This is my one – Outside of any surprising thing happens, this is my one Michigan basketball game of the year, so I'm pretty excited. Anyways, uh, when I got tickets for the game, it appeared it was going to be a matchup of two top ten teams fighting for a top spot in the Big Ten, but uh, that's how sports go. So um, I, I'm still really excited. I would rather be, I would rather be cheering for the team without the Western brothers. So uh, I feel pretty good well, about you guys in that matchup. Before before we get into Michigan State real quick, I don't think we've recorded since I had a family member of Caleb Wesson come at me on Twitter. <laughs> I totally forgot about this. this is, okay, folks, this is what we call, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into my Alex Jones slippers here. Uh, this is why Brendan's really not on social media. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Caleb Wesson's family is out here dragging him because he's out here like a Neanderthal cursing. Uh, so, he has no vocabulary. <laughs> he, uh, oh my th- god! That, that woman, a hundred percent, one hundred percent, has uh, like a Google alert set for any time a Wesson name gets brought up on Twitter, right? I she has uh, to because I literally in Ohio State. I literally was just taking a night off of school and everything, just watching old highlights. It was right in the middle of this losing streak, obviously. And I was just watching old highlights of different games and different teams, you know, just bored and kind of tweeting through it. And I tweeted because I saw, I remembered that Xavier Simpson swatted a Caleb Wesson layup from behind on a breakaway last year in the game at Chrysler. And I think and it's hilarious because Xavier Simpson's like six foot tall and Caleb Wesson is like six foot ten. It's just funny that it happened. I wasn't even shit talking anybody, like at all. And uh, this woman randomly tweets at me. I just said, just a reminder, Xavier Simpson swatted Caleb Wesson's layup last year. And she goes, and? <laughs> and eventually it devolved into she just kept on being dumb and eventually I was like lady what the fuck are you trying to get at like what do you want and she told me that I had no vocabulary and it was just absurd I I cannot believe that I think it was like a cousin of theirs or an aunt or something but uh, I don't know so so Again, to catch the people up, if you're uh, if you're not in our menchies all the time, we're just following what we're doing on Twitter because we tweet a lot when Brendan's not quitting on the team. Uh, I, of course, jump into this conversation because I have no ability to stay back. And 
then she gets upset with me because this, as Brendan, <laughs> Brendan, as I was reminded of my elementary school days, it was an A and B conversation, and I should see my way out. Uh, <laughs> I at which I had to remind her that really it was an A conversation because you were not tweeting at anyone, and she decided to come into your world. So, uh, yeah, so she did not like the house to buy plan. I, but if she's listening, rate, subscribe. We'd love to have you. Uh, no, no, I am I, not going to chill out for this woman. She can fuck <laughs> off. I don't want her listening to the show. That I had to do the 2020 thing, which is in 2020, when I see someone say something stupid on Twitter, I immediately just have to go to their timeline and look at what MAGA things they retweet or how many uh, Charlie Kirk videos show up on the timeline. <laughs> and her entire timeline, like, she doesn't tweet a lot. But when she tweets, it's just about the Wesson brothers or to retweet an article about the Wesson brothers. So you're, you're definitely like, I hope they're not a mob family because you're in trouble now. With oh the man. Family. When I, when I walk into Chrysler <laughs> and just, I have them waiting for me. Oh man. <laughs> Take an Uber, I mean, this is the same I don't one. want your car parked out front. <laughs> this is the same, like same family where I think their mom or something was talking about how awful it was that the Michigan students were chanting fuck Ohio. This was two months after Ohio state fans made dolls of Chase Winovich hanging from a noose beheaded. Like (laughs) I just, it's crazy. I know it's not the same program, but like to, to complain about just a general chant that happens in big 10 arenas. Like I know it's just Michigan, but is saying fuck your rival like really a controversial take here um so so this family certainly is very sensitive about anybody talking about their boys to the point where they're name searching um that was it, it made my day though that was so funny having her get in my mentions and it was like a full day later was the best part i tweeted it on like a tuesday night and wednesday at 6 p.m she was tweeting at me um oh let, let, let's get oh, into some MSU. Online. Yeah. <laughs> let's get into some MSU talk. Um, since we have last talked, they are two and one with a loss coming at Indiana in Assembly Hall. I watched that one. Super frustrating for y'all. And then two wins at Minnesota and then against Boo Booey and Northwestern at home. Jeremy, how do you feel? It It certainly feels like the Big Ten title – is going to be Michigan State's to lose here. Uh, I mean, it, it does in a way. I, I still would say, you know, the at Illinois game uh, is, is hanging pretty big right now. But Oh, it's going to be incredible. They, I cannot wait. They had about as worse of – not as bad of a start. It was They basically did the Purdue start again at Indiana uh, and almost got back into that game. Like, it was, uh, it was a, under a two-possession game late in that second half. So – uh, had every right to lose that game in Indiana, did not come to play again in the first half, and had an awful road start, uh, then, you know, got what they deserved, which is a loss at Indiana. Uh, it is incredibly frustrating that Tom Izzo can't beat Archie Miller. It makes me angry. I hate Archie Miller. Uh, he looks like a used car salesman that just wandered onto the floor because of a fan contest. Archie Miller and looks I like Ben like Shapiro if he coached basketball. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. People try to tell me that R.G. Miller is an intellectual all the time. And then I look there and I'm like, 
yeah, but this dude is probably someone that crapped his pants in grad school. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, that's what I have to put up with is Tom is losing to Archie Miller for the rest of my life, apparently. Um, Everybody has their not one. lose to Richard Pacino, which is just fantastic because, again, nepotism is something that just bothers me. How is Richard Pacino hired and still allowed to coach? He's been at Minnesota longer than you think. It's been like five years, hasn't it? Oh, man. And I feel awful. like it's been more. Hold on. Let's let's find out. Um, I am not going uh, to comment on any of this well, you, because uh, – Well, you my, looked that up. My team Let me just tell you, Richard Pacino. Uh, if you take more than nine seconds, that's really long for Pacino. <laughs> He's been there since 2014, Jeremy. This is his well, This is his seventh season now. at Minnesota. The Patinos really love the number nine. Uh, I think 2023 is when he's done. Nine seconds, nine years, who's counting. Um, he's going to retire. Yeah, so they destroy Minnesota in a game that, just like the game when he was Lansing, uh, they had no offense against Michigan State. Uh, I really feel bad for Oturu. He really looks miserable playing there. Um, he's like the only consistently pretty good player. Uh, apparently, Carr can only play good against Michigan. Um, wow, he can so join. Destroy. He can join Travion Williams. Uh, uh, not Luca Garza because he's tearing literally everybody up. But let's see. We have Travion Williams. Um, let me see who else. Uh, actually, there's not that many people. I think Michigan fans, we may be making it seem worse than it actually is. No, no, Car, Michigan fans Car and Williams losing spleen on the internet. No, not my Michigan fans, Brendan. Listen, <laughs> I, I believe I said in a text, you won't find me defending my fan base. And I feel like I have to stay consistent to my word. Yeah, Michigan fans are some of the most reactionary people on the planet. I would argue so are Michigan State fans. There's just more of us. Oh, they're bad too. <laughs> oh, oh God. Don't forget that uh, apparently when we lost to Indiana last Thursday, it meant that we were missing the NCAA tournament by the reactions that I saw. The takes um, were so... insane. They were insane. You guys are, hold on, since December 8th, since the Duke game, you are um, 11 and 2 since the Duke game. And they lost a game to Indiana, and it was like the world was ending. Do people know Assembly Brandon. Hall is a difficult place to play? Brendan, last night people were complaining that Tom Izzo, who, again, has been our coach for over a quarter of a century, uh, and has been very consistent in how he, you know, rotates players, consistent things on how he handles his lineup, consistent in just like, you know, he's got his crotchety old man things. This is who the man is. It's, it's pretty consistent. So unless you're an MSU fan because you just got to campus in 2019 and you never watched us any season before, you have no excuse for sitting here and arguing with me that, Rocket Watts taking two offensive fouls and getting the auto bench is so weird and so awful. Do I have to remind you that this is who the man is? Tom Izzo with the auto bench? No way. Yeah, and Tom Izzo benched a freshman who messed up? No. (laughs) What? What? Come on. Make make sure to listen to the House Divided podcast where we will roast your ass. Every time. And the thing about it is, 
I'll give you like a story from like when I was growing up, Ron Mason used to have a thing about the MSU hockey fans that they were a tough crowd to play in front of for his own team because they were intelligent to know when his team was playing poorly. Like he would talk about, we go to Ohio State, they can be playing poorly, but they're going to be super loud the whole game because they don't really know what's going on. I enjoyed him throwing shade at Ohio State. Uh, that's why I'm telling this story because at the end of the day, that's who we hate the most. But on this podcast, at least Brendan, but <laughs> you need to tell that story and talk about how, because of their intelligence, it's just not going to be like a loud crowd all the time. You would think after all these years, we'd have a pretty intelligent basketball fan base. They're awful, Brendan. Yeah, but sometimes, sometimes when you're good, like when you're bad, you kind of weed out the fans that are just kind of there to be there. When you're good, but you get all the people. I know, I know. It's 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 they have the worst they have the, the, the ability to talk about basketball the way that like your six year old cousin would where it's like they should run to make the shot play. But these people like write for popular fan blogs, the ones they go, they should make the shot play. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and our and our fan base loves them and they love misery, so they just elevate these people louder and louder every season. Yeah, I now they get the man, but yeah, getting back to the actual basketball. Uh, nothing to talk about last night against Northwestern. Foster lawyer made four threes, all is right with the world. <laughs> oh man, and Julius Marble got attacked for being too awesome and dunking too hard. Shit, I forgot to talk about the Franz tech when we were talking about the game. Oh, um, oh let's get to it. Okay, let's get to bad techs in the Big Ten. Yeah, so Wagner. Uh, yeah, stop me if you've heard this, but a Wagner brother took a tech for celebrating too hard. Um, so Franz absolutely pinned a layup on the board, and he immediately, as he was walking, not running down the court, walking down the court, was just yelling at the player who he blocked. Oh, my God. They were telling us before he got to campus that he was different than Mo. What were you people saying? He is a clone, not physically, but oh my God, he's so much fun. But uh, he received a tech for talking shit, which prompted Dan Dockich, who I know MSU fans hate him, and I find him very annoying, especially as a person, but I don't mind him horribly on the broadcast because I tend to actually learn a decent amount about basketball from him. Um but sometimes his opinions are awful. You know what was not awful? Him ranting for three minutes about how college basketball refs need to leave, need to not inject themselves into every bit of trash talk and just let the game play out and let the kids talk trash to each other. And it was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Maybe Franz uh, feels a little bit more comfortable talking that ish. When it's uh, you know teenagers in America and uh, grown men in Germany, maybe that's what threw them off. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> didn't really think about that, but still, as a person, you can't tell me he wasn't doing some stupid celeb- like "Let's go," uh, just yelling oh, totally. down the court after he was making threes in Germany. Uh, I wouldn't know because I didn't watch any film from him in Germany. But um, yeah, he's definitely a Wagner brother, and the tech was really stupid. I didn't see the marble tech. Was it also stupid? Uh, well, so the marble tech was, he had a 
breakaway dunk, because uh, again, that's what my beautiful son Julius Marvel would do. And as a Northwestern player is running under him, he lifts himself up on the rim to avoid serious injury and gets attacked for lifting himself up on the rim. <laughs> you can't make this up, Brendan. God, Big Ten refs. Big Ten refs in basketball are the worst group of sports officials above the high school level in the world for anything. I'm convinced. You can't tell me I'm wrong. Because, uh, man, it, it's, it's a we nightmare. We TV Teddy. Yeah, I mean, TV. See, but I feel like we still claim him in spirit, even though he's in the ACC now. Um, but no, like, is he honestly better? Is he, is he better than what we get stuck with now? Probably. I don't know. Like, I, I think we just noticed him more because of his uh, antics, which is not something you should be saying about a referee, but this is the state of college basketball. Um, I think he was probably mostly good, but then when he does a spinorama into a charging call uh, that was wrong, it just makes you hate him more. I don't know, man. I just um, (laughs) – I'm ready. I love basketball season, and I have found that over – as I grow older and learn more about the sport, I fall further into love with basketball every year, especially in a year like this where any night of the week, I think in 20 minutes, Iowa versus Maryland is about to tip off, and I'm super excited to tune in. Like This is a a league where I can turn it on at any point in time and be excited about the product. But then it makes me not want to watch it because the refereeing is so bad. I think the difference is that I don't think there's any sport that is actually as enjoyable of a sport but has this bad of referee. Like, I'm sure there's terrible judges in tennis. But tennis isn't that fun to watch anyway. Uh, It doesn't ruin what is already a pretty boring product. But you have what should be to me, the second best sport out there besides college hockey out there. And it is ruined most nights by just awful officiating. Yeah. And, and from what I can tell, a huge difference in officiating between the college and pro version. Whereas oh, yeah. I mean, in the NBA. College football and pro football have equally bad rest. My only I'm, – I'm kind of a conspiracy theorist when it comes to NBA. I do not think that uh, that league will – I, I genuinely would not put it past them to try and get series to fall a certain way in the playoffs, and officiating has something to do with it, I think. But uh, outside of like those rare instances that I feel like I've seen, and it's probably just me being crazy, uh, it is so much better, the refereeing in the NBA. Like it leagues better it just drives me nuts and i will say though i think that basketball might be one of the hardest sports to referee to give these guys some credit like there are so many things they have to be constantly watching for and it's happening all very quickly but nonetheless it's still just awful um so should we move on to michigan state's two games they have before next week's show sure sure i'm uh not going to be able to dive in too deep, I'll be honest. Can't say that I've looked too far ahead. Um, being yeah. that uh, working, uh, I will be missing the Wisconsin game this Saturday, unfortunately. 
You should be uh, thanking Brad Davison out. Uh, there's less reason to watch for me personally because I okay I shouldn't root for kids' injuries, but I want to see Gabe Brown dunk Brad Davis until his t-shirt exploded, and now I don't get to see that. Uh, yeah. So um, I guess we're just gonna have to hope for it in the Big Ten in the Big Ten tournament. At some point, we're gonna have to cross paths so his t-shirt can explode uh, from impact. But yeah, Brad Davison and Kobe King, who left the team. I actually, you know what, Brendan, you're not on mine. I don't know if you noticed. News broke last night that Kobe King is leaving Wisconsin. So the I did, uh, scores are not going to be in this game. I, I did see that on um, on the bottom line on ESPN last night, uh, which uh, – get, get in your notes like a boomer. Look at you. <laughs> oh, man. Reading the ESPN bottom line. Yeah, oh, man. I felt like I was in sixth grade again. Um, yeah, without without those two players, I'm not going to give them much of a hope other than the fact that it's being played at the Kohl Center. And uh, weird things happen there on a Saturday afternoon. It is probably going to be awful to watch. That sounds like one, feels like one MSU might uh, get the victory in the least aesthetically pleasing fashion. Uh, or they're just going to lose and everybody's going to be saying that the sky is falling. So they have that game, and then they have Penn State at the Breslin Center on Tuesday, and that is one sneaky, I'm, sneaky I'm bummed on. What? That's a sneaky like good game all of a sudden. Oh, that's a super good game. That's a better game than Michigan-Ohio State. I mean, like, oh, it's yeah. – I'm, I'm really bummed I'm going to be missing it because that's going to be awesome. Uh, that's one where I th- – I think Lamar Stevens is going to be really ready to go in there. Uh, and Penn State's strengths, I feel like, aren't ones that can be easily shut down by Michigan State. So I think that's going to be a really good game. Uh, and then on our next show, we will be previewing Michigan-Michigan State Part 2. And then on the show after, we'll be previewing Michigan-Michigan State Hockey. So we uh, have a couple rivalry pots coming up. Yeah, man, uh, a couple of good weeks, and uh, because we didn't do a traditional news item, as we close out here, I'll kind of transition us into some news that I'm surprising Brendan with. He doesn't know that I wanted to bring this up, but we should really enjoy these two weeks, Brendan, because I looked way ahead, and in a couple of summers, we're going to have to preview 2022 Michigan football, and we're going to have to try and find a way to talk about Michigan playing UConn instead of UCLA, baby. Look at that beautiful home schedule you're paying money for, Brendan. And you won't even get your student you won't even get your student discount anymore. You're gonna have to pay Hold big on. boy prices for it. Hold on. Wait. Did you just tell me that, that Michigan replaced UCLA on their schedule with UConn? Oh god, I forgot my partner's no longer hashtag online. Yes, they did. My oh man. my god, what what are you idiots doing? Oh my god. Oh, Ward Manuel had to give his friends at UConn a nice little, nice little pay game. Uh, let me read off to you the the Michigan home schedule. Uh, my favorite, my favorite website, FB Future Schedules here. Fuck you! Um, I don't want to, Brandon. No, this is stupid. <laughs> I'm writing a letter to Ward Manuel, so I'm assuming the return game at, in Pasadena is off too. Yeah, no, that series is canceled. 
Oh my um, God, I was so excited. How else am I going to see them in the Rose Bowl? Oh, wait, I already knew about the UCLA thing. But why are we adding UConn? What? All right, so let me <clears> – a <throat> reading from the 2022 Michigan football schedule. If you are excited as me, Brendan, listen, you get four home games in a row. You get your your September is going to be great. You have Colorado State, you have Hawaii, you have UConn and Maryland, baby. That's big boy money. <laughs> your okay. highlight of the season is the October. You get Penn State and Nebraska. Oh yeah, and then Illinois and Indiana, eight home games. Yeah, babe. Um. <laughs> Um, also, can we talk about the fact that you're off Twitter, you got news on the ESPN bottom line, and you just said what I can assume with a straight face, that you're, the way that you were going to handle that Michigan is playing UConn is that you were going to, and I quote, write a letter to Ward Manual? <laughs> a letter? Are you going to type it on your typewriter? <laughs> All right, everybody, uh, please rate and subscribe our podcast. Uh, subscribe to our podcast. Um, I have to go. I'm impressed that you know what a podcast is, Brendan. Yeah, I have to go dust off the, type, the typewriter.